I started Wednesday night ago on what do we have to live for and recognizing the Uvalde <clears throat> shooting and this young man obviously did not care about his life and did not care about the lives of these innocent children and did not have a purpose. And I spent a while talking about basically how you have to believe in the Bible to understand your purpose. And, and I brought us through to, of course, the, the New Testament and, and I really kind of touched on the Old Testament and who God was and the difference between science and religion and how that, you know, um, science does not compete with religion. It answers different questions than religion. And I think that is an important understanding, and especially even for our young people, because they want this Bible to be a science textbook. And, and they look at science as being the purveyors of truth. And in reality, because a lot of science you can measure. You can measure what temperature water freezes, what temperature water boils. You can measure some things. The, the truth of the matter is that not all medicines work the same on all people. Not all treatments work the same. Not all courses of the disease act the same. And we've noticed this in COVID. You know, now you have people that are having all kinds of symptoms and well, they forget and they have hair loss and they have um, <clears throat> car batteries that go dead. All of this is blamed on COVID. And, you know, and they look at you straight faced and say, we were told that. And, you know, I, I then talked about who Jesus was as compared to other people who called themselves the son of God or a leader and how that Jesus died for us, for to give us a purpose, to give us access to God. Because in reality, if you were not born a Jew, if you were not born a Hebrew, it, there was no access into the presence of God. So when Jesus came, it was about bringing salvation. That's why Matthew, next slide, Matthew, the first chapter, basically, whenever the angel came, she says, he says to Mary, thou shalt bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name, what? Jesus, why? For he shall save his people from their sins. That's it. He shall save his people from their sins. Salvation. And that is designed, and I know it's Wednesday and it's us, but it's designed to give us a purpose. And Jesus himself understood this. He, he knew it. We were studying the parables in Hyphen this past uh, few months, and, and I tried to reiterate to these young people 
uh, that Bible study that, you know what? Repeatedly, Jesus tried to tell his disciples. In fact, uh, early on, fairly early in his ministry, he would teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders, be rejected of the chief priests, rejected of the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And they didn't get it. They still believe that when the Messiah comes, he is going to conquer and put Israel back on the map, which, of course, is why when the Antichrist comes, he will be able to make a league with Israel or the Jews because that's what they believe their Messiah is going to be like. And it's hard for them to grasp anything else. We've read, and I've preached on the story of Zacchaeus, the little man. And you remember, whenever Jesus looked up, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. And the Lord he wanted to see. And, and when you read, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house. Zacchaeus was so overwhelmed that Jesus would come to his house that Zacchaeus made a pledge that day. He said, I am going to quit cheating people. I'm going to restore money to anybody that I've cheated. And you know what Jesus said to him? Zacchaeus, this day salvation is come to your house. So you are a son of Abraham. For the son of man, he goes on, is come, that's how he referred to himself, the Son of Man, is come to seek and to save that which is lost. So it's no surprise when we talk about getting buried in the name of the Lord. Paul wrote to the church at Colossians, buried with him in baptism, wherein you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. You who were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him. In other words, we had no purpose. It's right. If you are not living for God, what is the real reason for living? Amen. You say, well, money, go back to that first slide. And all of that sometime or another ends up at waste away. You say, man, no, I got, I got stuff. I got wonderful stuff. You know, beautiful pottery, beautiful figurines. I, Years ago, my wife and I were preaching, evangelizing, went to a home in the southern part of Louisiana, and I don't know if you've ever heard of beam porcelain, but a man there in that church who was not married, never been married, but he, uh, he was handicapped, had to use a, uh, he was in a wheelchair, had to drive his van with his hands, and yet he would, he'd just invest money in beam porcelain, and he had them in crates, he had them in boxes, he had them out on display. They were beautiful. They were exquisite. We walked. We looked. 
I went by his home. The minister said, you've never seen a collection like Beam Porcelain. And, and Beam is one of the America manufacturers of porcelain that made a beautiful pair of swans that President Nixon gave to the president of China. And he was just showing and so proud of all of this. And I'm sure had a magnificent collection. And yet, several years later, I asked somebody and they go, well, yes, he died. His niece inherited his house. She sold all the stuff. I don't, did it get broken and dusting? Did it end up in, a, I don't have any idea. I saw it once in a beautiful home all and he would open a box and pull up a piece and couldn't even didn't have room to display it all and yet we're dead without the lord there is no purpose there is no reason for living and he says you have he quickened for having forgiven you all your trespasses blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to it, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. And I know, I, I Googled the other day, and I, how many people die in the United States? Two people a second. One minute, 120 folks have passed away. And we've lost several in this church and our friends and family and members. That, this was, I think, before COVID. But what's so powerful is Death really stopped at Calvary. Jesus took great pains to say, she's not dead, she's asleep, she's resting. What, what are you saying? This past week, uh, standing at the grave of side of Sister Kathy Williams, I, I quoted this scripture, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. I believe that. I'm sorry. I know we can say, well, we've lost this many. We've had this many. I don't believe that they're dead and gone. I believe they're asleep and God knows exactly where they are and they've graduated to the first church. If I didn't believe that, I would feel hopeless. You would feel like, what's the use? That's why Solomon in Ecclesiastes said it's all vanity. And yet what we know is that we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible 
and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption, and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When our young people in the stress and, and the anxiety and COVID and this and this anxiety, and, you know, we're, we're not going to school and we're, 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 we've ratched up the anxiety and the fear. And they look and they go, Pastor, what's the reason for living? Because I, I want to serve the one that's going to defeat death, defeated death, hell, and the grave. That's why I'm living. I'm living for God now because I'm planning on having eternal life. Paul said, in Romans, the first chapter, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection from the dead. The fact that he got up is why we know we can get up whom we've received grace and apostleship for obedience to faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are the called of Jesus Christ. In the eighth chapter of the same book, Paul said, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of of the children of God. Aren't you thankful for the glorious liberty? I know you can, you can, you can say, I, I'm depressed, I am anxious, I'm overwhelmed, I am stressed. Or you can say, thank God I know who Jesus is. I know what God did on Calvary. I know that I am not going to go by the way of the grave. I'm going to go up with a shout either at the first trump or the last trump. I, I, I put here that Jesus wants to come alongside us. Alongside us. And the reason why I say alongside us is because there's some words in the King James that are translated I don't want to say incorrectly, but you need to look at them in the Greek. When Jesus said, I pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter. Now, I, when I think of a comforter, and some of y'all have shawls out here, laying on seats and keeping seats warm and keeping you warm, and I get it. We keep trying to keep the thing cool. But here, here's, here's, we think of a comforter, we wrap it around our shoulders. And, but, but when you read what the comforter really is, 
in this, this word right here is paracleton, uh, paracletos, and, and I'll, I'll, on the next page, but let me just read it. It's another comforter, but notice this next phrase of the scripture. Go back in the verse. That he may abide with you forever. So when you think about how the King James describes it, another comforter that he may abide with you. It sounds like a separate person. You see what I'm saying? So he's saying that the, he wants to give us a comforter, another comforter, and he may come alongside us. Even, he calls it, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. So immediately you go, okay, well, that's a separate. It's not Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost. And the way Jesus is talking about it, it says, but you know him. For he dwells with you. Then he was clear and he said, and shall be in you. And then he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Now, they couldn't get all of that. How could Jesus and the Holy Ghost or this Paracletos be the same person? And he said, the first use of the word comforter Paracletos means to guide or to intercede or to plead a case. So imagine if you have, you're walking and there's somebody walking beside you and he is there to guide you. He is there to intercede for you. He is there to plead your case. Sometimes we forget how powerful the Holy Ghost is. And then he said, I will not leave you comfortless. That word in the Greek is not parakletos, it's orphanos. And what does that sound like? I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I am not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you parentless. Those of us who've lost our parents or who, who've had folks die that we were, you know, and you can feel all alone and I've lost a husband, I've lost a spouse, a wife, I've lost, but guess what? The Lord told them, I am not going to leave you orphanless. I will come to you. What, I know we have the body and I appreciate all of us and we've prayed and we've wrapped a comforter or a shawl around that sister 
uh, Leslie's mom made, and that's wonderful, and we will do those again. We've had several more that have lost, and, I, and it's representative of the Spirit of God, but I'm here to tell you, if you never got a shawl, you never got a comforter, you never got a towel, when you get the Holy Ghost, you all of a sudden become a child of God, and you have a promise, I will not leave you alone. I will be there with you no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, I'll be a guide. I'll be an intercessor. I'll be someone that'll get you out of any problem you get into. <laughs> I'm telling you, you want to know your purpose for living? <laughs> you recognize I got somebody going with me. That gives you a different outlook. Yeah. And I'm sorry, you, you may not have had to do this, but I, these last couple of years I've had to turn and I've had to say, Jesus, you got this? Because I don't have an answer. Huh? Absolutely. I'm sorry. What are you going to do about this? Because I'm, I'm at my wit's end right now. Yeah. Now, maybe you haven't been there, but I have been. <laughs> You're going to have to... This one's above my pay grade. Huh? Think about it. Yeah. You know, I mean... I, Caitlin's been telling me all the stuff that's going on with her and David and David's situation and I finally just said, hey, I, all I can do is say, hey, get them, Lord. I don't know what to do. Amen. Amen. I don't know what to do. You say, well, I, you, you can get, you can feel, be overwhelmed. I, you know, somebody is sick, somebody is, I mean, my other son-in-law, David, been going to the doctor, and, you know, I, I've said the same thing about him. Lord, I need your help on this. You need to step in on this, Lord. I don't have the answer. That's why Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphaned, parentless, I'm thankful my parents are here and alive and with me, and, and I'm, I'm thankful that they're here, but you know what? And, and I, great relationship, but you know what? Even if they were not here, I have a parent, yeah. the Lord that I can call on. Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah! Romans, the eighth chapter, eighth verse so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but you are where? In the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God... Now, wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. This is a mistake. Because it was a comforter, and he will dwell in you. It was the Holy Ghost. Is it the Spirit of God, or is it the... It's pretty easy when you recognize it's all in him. Huh? The Spirit of God shall dwell in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, okay, now I got to get the second Spirit. No, once you get the Holy Ghost, you got it all. 
He is none of his. And if Christ be in you, then the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. When you look at the Old Testament and there was first a tabernacle and you remember Moses went up the mountain 70 and then he went on up and then the presence of God and then they got this thing for a tabernacle and everyone in here I believe probably has gone through the tabernacle plan and the altar sacrifice and labor of water and if I started that you'd go oh yeah that's a great lesson I've heard that since because we love it we do it but it represents access to the presence of God, to the holy of holies. And yet, in the tabernacle plan, as you remember, if you were Jewish, if you were a Hebrew, if you were a Hebrew male, you could walk in the front gate bring your sacrifice to the brazen altar, and then you walked out. <clears throat> that was as close as you got. If you were of the tribe of Levi, you could take that sacrifice. If you were one of the priests that was on duty at the time, you could offer it, kill it. You could go wash in the water, and certain priests were allowed to go in once a a week and change out the bread and to light the candles every day. And only one priest, the high priest, got to go into the Holy of Holies per year where God was. Sorry, ladies. Y'all not included. That's if you're Jewish. Temple, very similar thing. They added a couple things with the temple. There was the first court that you came in was called the court of the Gentiles. Everybody say Gentiles. That was for all of the men of the Gentiles. No women, really. Men of the Gentiles. And we could go so far... It was in this part that Jesus drove out the money changers because they were blocking them from letting the Gentiles get into the court of the Gentiles. The Jews had taken over that area and set up money changers for the sacrifice, remember? So he drove them out. If you were Hebrew, Jewish, you could go a step further and it was called the court of the women. Jewish women got to go in to a court before, after the Gentiles, the court of the women. If you were a um, Jew 
but you were not of the priest, you were not of Levi, there was then another area that the men could go to. Past where the women went, there was an area for the men. Then if you were of the tribe of Levi, you were not a layman, then there was an inner court. And there were responsibilities for that. And then like the tabernacle, the high priest could, certain priests could go in, light the candlestick, do the table of showbread, and one priest once a year go into what was called the Holy of Holies. You all remember that, right? That's why when Matthew describes Jesus' death at Calvary, how that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom is so powerful because it's symbolic of God stepping out of the Holy of Holies. And so when Paul writes, what? Know ye not that your body is the you want to talk about giving you purpose I'm carrying around the ark of the covenant the mercy seat inside of me oh hallelujah and the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God and you are not your own so when the enemy tries to overwhelm you and say you're not worthy and you're not you have no business you have no reason then you say don't know wait a minute know ye not that my body is the temple I have the holy of holies even Steven Spielberg or whatever his name was that made the uh, ark of the covenant movie, you know, showed the power of the ark. That's how much power is resonating inside of us that have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. This Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and I, I think if people could understand what the Lord is offering you, you say, well, I don't know that I want all of that. Well, <laughs> You know, Jesus tried to tell this to Nicodemus. He basically said, Nicodemus, you need to get a life. He was a scholar, brilliant man. He came to Jesus, remember? John 3rd chapter. Now, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And, we, and you know, what the, yada, yada, yada. And basically, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you need to get a life. You need to understand. You see, the wind, it blows where it wants to blow. The breeze came through the window and fluttered the candle. He said, so is anyone that is born of the Spirit. You want to, you're, you're earthbound, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus's mind was just blown. And he goes, oh, Lord, I, I, what, what are you talking about? He said, 
Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, well, well wait a minute. How, once you're born, how do you go back to your mother? Huh? How do you do this all over again? And he said, oh, no, it's not that. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Oh, what are you saying? What a privilege it is to know who Jesus is, you know? And if you don't understand this, let me tell you, you are, according to what the, the Bible says, you are blind, you are enslaved, and you are dead. And when you have no reason for living, I'm sorry. If I brought in a man and we poked his eyes out, then we put him in chains and then we killed him and we'd say, what's his reason for living? He has none. And what happens is because he's dead, folks. And the spirit that is out there that is permeating our society is <clears throat> There's no reason. There's no reason for living. I feel bad. I don't feel like anybody cares. I don't have any. So I get on social media and I, I type out, okay, I'm going to kill a bunch in the school. I'm going to do this. I'm going Why? Because I have no purpose in life. I can't see my own life. I can't see going forward 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. I, let me tell you. You don't have to sing happy birthday, but today, 54, 53, 53 years ago, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My mother <laughs> had the Holy Ghost for how many years? 79 years she's had the Holy Ghost. It gives you a reason to get up in the morning. It gives you a reason to keep going. It gives you a reason to put one foot. Why? Because I am a child of the King. Today is a day that I can give him praise and give him glory. And I'm the only one that can do. I can only give my praise and my glory. Say, well, you've just had a perfect life for 53 years. You're right. Living for God is a wonderful life. They should make a movie about it, call it It's a Wonderful Life. If you're not, you are blind. That's what he said in Corinthians. <clears throat> in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Jesus said, whosoever commit a sin is the servant of sin. How are you going to get deliverance? People that have bound addictions, whatever the case might be, there's no way out. Dead. You had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's why knowing who Jesus is, that's the greatest life. In fact, Paul told him in Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things. But you don't know how I was raised. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know how my parents treated me. You don't know what folks said about me. You don't know how bad my childhood was. No, but if you will get in Christ, you can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. He can change your very DNA. Galatians. 
And I don't, I don't want to spend time on all the works of the flesh. I put them there because it goes through them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, you can look them all up in the Greek. And he says, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, fruit, everybody say fruit, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meek, faith, meekness, temperance. That word temperance there is agratia, which means self-control. Say, I just can't stop. I can't quit. I, I've got this problem. I've got an addiction. I've got this issue going on in my life. There's no hope. I've got this. Let me tell you, the fruit of the Spirit, they that have Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. If you're struggling with your works of the flesh and you're struggling with anger, adultery, fornication, go through the works of the flesh, hatred, variance, strife, you're struggling with any of that, let me tell you the antidote, ask for the comforter, the parakletos, to come alongside you and say, remind me of who I belong to. I need help and get deliverance. I need you to help set me free. I want your spirit to grow through me so I'll have some temperance. I won't have any temperance without the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know how to live and walk in the Spirit other than just keep stirring it up and staying full of it. And I understand, you know, you can come to church for a month, you can come to church for years, and you can say, well, I don't pray, I don't pray through, I don't pray in tongues, I don't pray at home, I don't ever get a blessing, I don't ever worship, I don't ever lose control, I'm just a good old plotter and I don't need all of that. How are you living and walking in the Spirit? If you're not feeding the Spirit at some point, only thing I know is to open yourself up to the Spirit. And I realize, see the sign over here on the left? <clears throat> they put those signs up years ago in Australia. I actually saw a couple of them. And the people complained because they said, you're scaring our kids. See those teeth and that tail? So they changed them to this caution shark zone because we don't want to scare the little darlings that go to the beach. Most of us that are here on a Wednesday night you know, we're at past the hyphen and high life age, and we're, we grew up in and around church, and we were taught that hell was hot, and it was a place of torment, and it was a place where you couldn't get a hold of anybody, and you were excluded from the presence of God, and it was a place of punishment and destruction. Huh? <laughs> but we don't want to preach that now, because we got, you know, kids, and we don't want them to be offended at the sign, terrible sign. 
And I, I, of course, I wondered when I heard that, I thought, why doesn't somebody say that a real shark is a whole lot worse than that sign? That really the sign, the first one was a great sign if it scared them and kept them off of the beach. But, you know, we're living in a tolerant world now. You don't preach about hell. You don't preach about how hot it is. And I've had people ask me, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? And I tell them, let me tell you what my answer is. I say, he doesn't send you. You choose to go. That goes over like a lead balloon. But if you don't pray, not my will, but yours be done, to me, when the Lord, when you stand before the judgment seat, what the Lord ought to say is, not my will, but yours be done. Because he is not willing that any should perish. I don't know if the irony would hit him. If you would have prayed this then, guess what? His will would have been done in your life. That's the purpose for living, you know? And, and when somebody asks me, well, is, you know, is hell fair? I usually say, well, is forgiveness fair? Is mercy fair? If somebody had done wrong, is it fair to forgive them? Was it fair for Jesus to say, Father, forgive them? You're asking about, is the punishment wrong? I put it like this. Those that choose hell are going to have to step over Calvary the dead body of Jesus in order to get there. You're going to have to ignore what he did for us. That's the purpose. That's why when he says in Revelation, he that sat on the throne said, I make all things new. I am so thankful he is able. What a privilege that we have. And I, I've got, I got just one more verse, two more verses, and I, then I know, my, I know it's 8 o'clock. You all know this. Romans, the 8th chapter, says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of what? The sons of God. For the creature is made subject to vanity. We are made subject to uselessness. We are made subject to futility. Not willingly. <laughs> but by reason of him who hath subjected the same. Why? He wants us to realize life has no meaning unless you know who he is and you're willing to try to turn to him. That's the only reason for living.
because the creature itself has been delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we groan within ourselves. How many have been groaning in the last couple of years? What are we waiting for? When you go to the pump and it says $5, what are you waiting for? You groan. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption. I'm sorry. More and more I've been saying, come on, Lord, come quickly. Whew. John said it. This is my last verse. No more slides. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Behold, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in him starts trying to live different. <laughs> starts trying to do different. Starts trying to act different. Why? Because I gotta. I. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not just a citizen of a U.S. or Australia or Great Britain. I am a citizen another country ah, that I hath not seen, ear hath not heard. That's my hope. That's my reason for living. You say, I don't have much reason. All I can do is pound the, the bed. All I can do is say a prayer. Listen, that's more than anybody else can do that can run a marathon. If you're able to get a hold of God, you have a purpose. If you're able to wave a hand and worship you have a purpose. You say, well, Pastor, I, I can't come over and pull nails and I can't rip up sheetrock and I can't, I can't do the stairs like we did. You know what? If you can still worship God, you have a purpose. You have a purpose for living. You have a reason for living. Don't ever let your, don't ever let the devil tell you, well, you, you know, it'd be better for you not to be here. What a lie. I'm going soon enough. When the Lord said it's time for me to go, guess what? No doctor will keep me here. Amen. But until he says it's time, I've got a purpose every day. I can love him. I can praise him. I can adore him. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I, when, I, when I saw what happened in our nation, you know what? We ought to be so thankful we have a reason for living.